a mother of two, a businesswoman, successful, hardworking, charismatic, only to be shot and killed by Florida's killer clown. Today, we are going to be discussing the case of Marlene Warren. Let's dive a little bit deeper into who Marlene Warren was. I mentioned that she was charismatic and hardworking, and these were some of the things mentioned by her son, Joseph Aarons. But um, she did get married when she was a teenager and with her first husband, which I, I don't know who because it doesn't say it uh, in the research that I found, but her two sons named John and Joseph Aarons. And that marriage ended up ending, and Marlene was only 20 years old when she later married her second husband, Michael, also known as Mike Warren. So I imagine that she got married pretty young, which... I feel like, like, from what I've learned of other true crime cases, like, in the 70s, 80s, like, getting married that young was pretty normal. So, like, it sounds shocking in 2023, but if you think about the time frame, not really surprising, right? So, I mentioned that she was successful and hardworking, and she was a businesswoman. She owned multiple rental properties in West Palm Beach, Florida, a used car rental business, an airplane, and a racehorse, and also used to work as a cargo ship inspector. I mean, this one really did it all on top of being a mom, a wife, and I'm assuming pure speculation here because I didn't really find very much in far to the, as far as the details of their day-to-day household lives and their roles, but I imagine in that time frame, there were still traditional values of like where the woman cooks and cleans and, you know, takes care of the home. So that that's a lot. I don't know how she did it all, but Kudos to her. So the area that they lived in was called Takeoff Place in Wellington, Florida, which is an exclusive area. And their home was actually a part of the Aero, A-E-R-O, club community, which is a community where every house had access to a private runway. So obviously she worked very hard to be able to afford that kind of lifestyle for her family and herself. And of course, just like anybody else, well, most people, I should say, her life had not been easy because her seemingly happy life kind of came to an end when one of her sons, John Aarons Jr., was actually killed in a car accident of the fall of 1988. And I wasn't unable to find like any specific details about that car accident, but I cannot imagine how she would have felt or what that is like to go through when one of your children is tragically killed. But she did try to continue on with her day-to-day life, you know, because she had another son that she had to take care of. Um, But it seems like her relationship with Mike was never the same after that. And I wonder if like, and again, speculation, but I wonder if it maybe was like she was grieving, of course, and she had to be responsible for all these businesses. And she had, you know, so many plates in her hand. So I wonder if like maybe stress and grief might have been part of why her relationship with Mike was never the same. I don't know. But let's get into more of the case and the event and and the day when her life was tragically taken. It was the 26th of May in 1990. She was at home having breakfast with her son, Joseph. Um, And from what I found is that he was 22 years old at the time. There was one article that I found that said he was 21, but most of them said he was 22 years old at the time. I also don't know if he's the older son or the younger son. I only found that one of her sons died and her other son was 22 years old at the time of this event. So I'm not sure, you know, if he was the older one or the younger one, but um, 
They were having breakfast and three of his friends joined them. Their names are Jean Pratt, Wendell Pratt, and Mindy Perez. Around 10.45 a.m. is when they saw a white Chrysler LeBaron pull into the driveway. And then they heard a knock at the front door. So Marlene went and answered. And right after, shortly after, she was heard saying, how nice. There was a loud bang. And Joseph and his friends went to go look out the window. That's when they saw someone dressed as a clown calmly walk away from the house towards the white car, get in that white car, which is to be believed as the Chrysler LeBaron, and drive off. And I'm thinking, like, how fucking psychotic do you have to be to dress up in a goddamn clown suit and go shoot some... I I mean, that is just... That's some Florida shit. That's some Florida shit. I'm sorry if you're from Florida. Beautiful weather, but damn. Anyways, they ran to the front door, and Joseph found his mother slumped on the ground, blood everywhere, and it was apparent that she had been shot. I cannot imagine walking up and seeing your mom in that state. I mean, that is just... That's horrible. One of Marlene's neighbors, Bill Kramer, he was out walking his dog at the time when he heard what he thought was the sound of a nail gun, like, you know, what would be used in, like, construction. But then he saw people running out of the house and heard one of them shout, they've shot Joey's mother. I'm assuming they're speaking about her son, Joseph. So Bill's wife had told them all to stay there and she had called 911, which that kind of confused me when I read that because I'm like, where did his wife come from? Was his wife walking the dog with them? I mean, I know they're neighbors. I don't know the proximity of the houses. I don't know. That kind of just confused me a little bit. But Bill's wife called 911. And when police and medical emergency professionals arrived at the house, they found Marlene, who was on the ground just inside the front door. And she had been shot in the face and was rushed to the hospital. Except two days later, she had died as a result of a gunshot wound to the head. Which is just so brutal and i'm gonna speculate again but from other true crime cases that i hope to continue covering and uh that i've listened to and read up on is that if someone shoots you point blank in the face like that's pretty personal so immediately when i saw that when i was reading this case is that she was shot in the face i'm like damn someone had it out for her so police began a homicide investigation and they spoke with Marlene's husband, Mike. And of course, if you're a true crime fan like I am, you always go to the spouse, the boyfriend, or whoever is closest to that person first. And so they initially suspected that he might be involved in her death. And they also discovered that they were having marital pro- marital problems. So remember earlier when I said that The relationship was never the same after her son, um, John, had passed away. And it looked to the police as if a divorce was going to be inevitable. So I'm not really sure what that means, what they mean by quote unquote look like. Like, I don't know if there's documentation that they found or if they had learned of arguments. I'm not really sure. I wasn't able to dig deeper into that portion. But when police had asked Mike where he was at the time of the shooting, he told them that he was on the way to a Miami racetrack with friends he was miles away at the time. And my question is, is, did we talk to these friends? Who were these friends? Who saw him? 
define how many miles away, you know, like, let's get specific here. But anyways, so police eventually discovered more about the morning that Marlene was shot and more about the shooter. And due to eyewitness accounts, they discovered that the person who shot Marlene was dressed up in a clown outfit, like a crazy motherfucker, with a wig, lace-up shoes, and white makeup covering their face. Like, you have to be dedicated to be dedicated you could have just put a damn mask on you're gonna dress up as a whole ass clown i just i can't get over that anyways so joseph and his friends described the clown as being tall the clown got out of the car and walked to the front door carrying two balloons and flowers and unbeknown to marlene that they'd also had a gun one of those balloons had the words you're the greatest on it and keep that in mind okay one of the balloons had the words you are the greatest you are the greatest and the other one had snow white and the seven dwarves as soon as marlene had opened the door the clown handed her the flowers and the balloons to her and when marlene took them the clown shot her in the face i'm not understanding was the sole point of the balloon and the flowers to distract her from the fact that the clown had a gun because surely you wouldn't be that much more i mean if i feel like if you're going to be bold enough to dress up as a whole ass clown then you could also be bold enough to just walk up to somebody with a gun and not have to distract them with flowers and a balloon like i don't i don't get that part but that's just you know me thinking out loud after she was shot in the face the clown simply walked towards the car without saying a single word got in the car and left so then police received an anonymous tip i don't know the time frame between when they received the anonymous tip and when they found out the details of the crime, it didn't, I couldn't find any articles that really stated that, but a caller told them to look into Marlene's husband, Mike, and a woman named Sheila Keane. Police discovered that Sheila actually worked for Mike as a repossession agent, which is scandalous as hell. It's always, it's always a coworker, you know? That's why you don't date where you work. That shit's messy. Anyways, She worked for Mike as a repossession agent at the car rental business, and there were rumors that she was having an affair with Mike. Several witnesses and employees provided statements about that affair. Now, Marlene's parents told police that Marlene had previously told them they were having marital issues and that she suspected that Mike was having an affair. She being Marlene, she already suspected that Mike was cheating on her. And rumors circulated, and so... It, it, it begs the question, did he want to avoid a divorce with Marlene so that he wouldn't lose out on all the property she owned? Interesting thought there. But then I, a couple of articles said, but Mike had an alibi. But did Sheila have an alibi? And And my thing is, why are we considering this alibi of Mike's to be solid? You know, it's like, did we talk to the friends? How far away was he? Could he have made it there and back? Was he actually in Miami? I'm going to have to look up how far away Miami is from this area because I'm just like, that doesn't make sense to me. But anyways, so that was a question that police had to find the answer to, you know, Mike quote unquote has an alibi. Did Sheila have an alibi? Who is a Sheila person? Was there actually an affair there? So on and so forth. So there was some evidence that was left behind at Marlene's house. And the clown who shot Marlene left the balloons and flowers at Marlene's house. And due to that, police were able to track down where those were purchased in a relatively timely manner, which is awesome. So within a matter of days, they found the exact supermarket where the flowers and the balloons had been purchased from. And they were able to find that it was a Publix supermarket. And two employees told police that they recalled a woman purchasing the flowers and balloons two hours 
before Marlene was shot. So I wonder if they verified this with, like, receipt or, like, how, how they were able to verify that. But the public supermarket was one mile from Sheila's apartment. And they described the woman who purchased them as a white female with long brown hair tied in a ponytail. And they also referred to her as having male mannerisms. Which I find very interesting because what do you mean male manner mannerisms like I, I would have liked more detail on that anywho police tracked down where the clown costume was purchased from and they spoke to two employees at the spotlight costume shop they told police that two days before marlene was shot a tall thin white woman with long brown hair purchased the clown costume they had told police that the woman said that she needed white makeup to cover her entire face or the entire face i'm sorry it says that she needed white makeup to cover the entire face. She opted not to purchase the clown shoes. And at a later date, they identified Sheila from photo lineups as being the woman who purchased the costume and the wig. Although one employee was a little bit unsure at the time. Police then got a further break in the case when they found the white Chrysler LeBaron that was used in the shooting four days after Marlene was shot, which is a pretty quick turnaround. And it was parked in a parking lot of the Winn-Dixie on Okeechobee Boulevard in West Palm Beach, which was eight miles from Marlene's house. When they had searched the car, they found orange-yellow fibers on the floor of the car that, re that resembled hair from a clown wig, and several strands of brown human hair were found, too. That same day that they found the car, police were able to obtain a search warrant for Sheila's apartment. They found, inside of Sheila's apartment, they found orange-yellow fibers on clothing inside of her home that seemed to match the ones from the car. They also found black lace-up shoes that fit the description of the shoes that the clown was wearing, and orange-yellow acrylic fibers were found on the sole of the shoes. And so police believed that the orange-yellow acrylic hair fibers were the same as those that they found in the car. They also found similar fibers on the balloon ribbon that was left at Marlene's house. Despite the belief that Sheila was involved, police did not arrest her or charge her with murder and the case went cold. And that I just could not wrap my head around. And, and I don't know too much about, you know, how investigations and, you know, warrants and, and whatnot worked back in the 90s. But I just don't understand how you put that many pieces together and you don't try to interrogate or try to arrest, you know, the person because... I don't know. I think it has something to do with the amount of um, resources they had at their hands at the time. Like, I know that DNA was completely different and, you know, things like that. So I don't know if it's due to the kind of technology that they were working with or what. But I just feel like they connected so many dots. I don't see how they couldn't have at least attempted to arrest her. I don't know. I, I, I thought that was very interesting. But case went cold. But it ended up being reopened in 2013, and tests were carried out in the hope that a DNA match would be found. As part of this investigation, witnesses were contacted again in question. DNA analysis was conducted on the evidence that was collected in 1990, and as the DNA was more advanced than it was in the 1990s, they hoped that they would find something new that would provide them with strong evidence so that they could charge Sheila with murder. I get that. Okay. So part of the police file included statements from people who alleged that Sheila and Mike were having an affair at the time of Marlene's murders. One of those employees being Claude Poitras. It's spelled P-O-I-T. 
T-R-E-S. Hopefully I'm not mispronouncing that. And she, she or he, I don't know if that's a male name, female name, sorry. Um, one of the, empl- the, Claude was one of the employees at a Barkin Motors, which is the used car rental place that um, Marlene had owned, told police about an incident that happened 45 days before Marlene was murdered. A couple named Mr. and Mrs. Restivo mistakenly called a bargain motors and asked them about dropping back their or dropping off their um, rental car, which was a white Chrysler LeBaron. They thought they called Payless Car Rentals, the company who they rented the car from. And according to Claude, Mike told them to leave the keys in the visor and the car to be picked up, which I don't understand that because if it's not even... If they called the wrong place, then why would they leave the car to let some other company pick it up? Because then wouldn't that company be like, hey, you never dropped the car off? That didn't make any damn sense to me. But anyways, Claude then told police that he drove Michael and Sheila to Payless Car Rentals and he observed them getting into the white car and drive away. So it was dropped off at the right place and then Payless Car Rentals never paid attention that someone just walked into their parking lot and took their car. I don't get that. Not making sense to me. But anyways, he was told not to say anything about the car. So, okay. Police believe that that was the car that was later used in relation to Marlene's murder. Due to that, they felt that they would be able to show a jury that Sheila had access to the car. When they asked her if she was ever in the car, she said that she was not. So this fresh investigation in relation to the DNA evidence focused on two different types of samples, the acrylic fibers and the human hair. Microscopic analysis of the acrylic hair fibers found in the car, on the soles of the shoes found in Sheila's apartment, and on the ribbon of the balloon indicated that they were all identical in composition. But it was the microscopic analysis that was carried out on the human hair found in the car that led police to believe that they finally had enough to make an arrest. The testing concluded the hair was identical to Sheila's hair. So 27 years after Marlene's murder, police finally made an arrest. In 2017 in Virginia, Sheila Keen Warren was arrested about a mile from her home and charged with first-degree murder. Where she shared her home with her husband, Mike Warren, even though they both denied having an affair at the time of Marlene's murder. So let me get this straight. Y'all didn't have an affair. But in 2002, you got married, which was only, what? what is that, 12 years after the murder, and you guys just rekindled your romance and got married after you worked together, but you weren't having an affair? Mm. Mm. Okay, scandalous. Anyways, um, they opened a restaurant together in 1993 named The Purple Cow, and like I said, they'd gotten married in 2002. I feel like they only got married in 2002 to you know separate the amount of time from when marlene was killed and when they got married to like make it not seem suspicious that's just speculation again but that's what i'm thinking so sheila at the time of this article which was written in 2021 uh, i'll share the update because obviously i did more research on more than one article anyways I'll, i'll share the update but at the time of this article um She was still awaiting trial and she hadn't entered her plea yet, but an attorney had stated that she vehemently denies murdering Marlene, which is an intense word. 
Um, but then her defense attorneys and prosecution appeared in court on foot of a motion brought by the defense. Sheila's attorneys, Richard Lubin, Amy Morse, and Greg Rosenfeld, filed a motion for an order to postpone Sheila's trial. Her trial was scheduled to start on the 8th of September 21, but they told the court that they needed more time to prepare, to prepare their case, a.k.a. more time to prepare some bullshit. Anyways, they argued that as the murder happened so long ago, it has been difficult to gather all the evidence and take dispositions, depositions, I'm sorry, uh, with the prosecution's witnesses. And then the coronavirus pandemic, it didn't help. And that brought further delays and problems with gathering all the relevant evidence, which I don't know how you have problems with gathering all the relevant evidence, but whatever. Uh, Circuit Judge Scott Suskauer, Sus Susker, I don't know how to pronounce that. It is spelled S-U-S-K-A-U-E-R. Granted the motion and the defense were given more time to prepare their case. Her attorneys had also requested that while she was waiting trial that she be released on house arrest. They told the court that she's an innocent woman. And one that is not a danger to the community and poses no flight risk. Mm-hmm. Sure, sure. Anyways, the defense argued in court that the evidence that the prosecution has against Sheila is merely circumstantial. They pointed to the fact that there were four people who witnessed the shooting, Marlene's son and his three friends. They argued that three of the witnesses unequivocally told police after the shooting that the clown was a tall man, ranging from six feet to six feet, two inches tall. I don't know about you, but like... I can guesstimate someone's hype, but that doesn't mean I'm right. And most of the times I'm wrong. Okay, that's just me. But like, how do you guesstimate six feet to six feet, two inches tall? Like, I don't, I don't get that. Um, so apparently, Marlene is only five foot seven, I believe. Or, yeah, Marlene's only about five foot seven. So I wonder if they were like trying to compare to the height of the person to um the height of marlene and also you know how sometimes people can mistake someone's height for how much hair they have so if the wig was like a big bushy curly wig like i wonder if they were adding some inches because of the wig on top of the head you know um the fourth witness could not tell the gender of the clown the defense argued that a man murdered marlene not their client they had also referred to the testimony that the prosecution outlined would be given by the public's employees and the employees from the costume store questioned whether the descriptions they gave to police regarding the woman who purchased the balloons and flowers and the later identification they made of Sheila from photo lineups was sufficient evidence to keep their client in prison while waiting trial. And let's see here. So. An update from this article that was written in 2021 is that Sheila was scheduled to go on trial for first-degree murder on the 21st of March, 2002. 2002. 2022. So, initially, she had faced the possibility of a death penalty if a jury found her guilty, but prosecutors told the judge that they would not be seeking the death penalty. So, I wonder, you know, why that changed. Um, now, when it comes to Mike Warren, Marlene's husband, he was never charged with any offense in relation to Marlene's murder. But he was charged in a separate case after Marlene's death, and he was convicted of racketeering and odometer tampering in that matter, and he had served three and a half years in prison and was released in 1997. So let's move on to the 2023 update about Sheila Keen Warren. At 59 years old, she pleaded guilty to second-degree murder in a deal that will likely see her release from prison within a year, which is just 
just bizarre to me. But apparently she's going to be released from prison within the year because they credited her for the time she had already served. And I believe she was arrested in um, 2014. And then they kept pushing her trial, pushing her trial, pushing her trial. So the case comes to a close after the family of Marlene Warren had agreed to the plea deal. But while I was reading about this case and researching this case, it was a little confusing because some said that she was arrested in 2014 and then some said that she has been in jail since 2017. So I didn't, I didn't quite understand that. Um, but there was a statement made uh, by her attorney, Greg Rosenfeld, one of her attorneys because she had a team of them. And he had told the Associated Press in a phone interview that this is, quote unquote, an incredible win for Ms. King Warren and still insists that she is not the killer, which, you know, I, I'm like 80 percent sure she's the killer because of all of the DNA analysis with, you know, the acrylic fibers, the human hair. But the thing that confuses me is the height, because I feel like you can definitely tell if someone's six foot and if someone is more in the five foot and some change range, you know what I mean? And so thinking about that, like I was looking at pictures of Marlene and her husband and um, I think it was saying that Marlene was five foot seven and in pictures, her husband only looked to be a little bit taller than her. And then it said that Sheila, I believe it said that she was like five foot seven to five foot 10. I, I might be, I might be misremembering that. So if I am, I apologize. But I couldn't find that her husband, Mike Warren, was six foot tall. And I couldn't find that Sheila was six foot tall. The thing that I also found interesting is I wonder if they mistook the clown as a man. Because those um, store employees had said that Sheila had male mannerisms. Which, if we had more details on that, on specifics, I think that that would be helpful. But anyways, so it was alleged that... Um, Marlene had actually told her mother that if anything happens to me, Mike had done it. So that's why I was, you know, so curious on why there was more information on his alibi, because I was thinking like, what if like Sheila helped purchase all the things for Mike and then like helped him have a solid quote unquote solid alibi, something like that. I don't know, but I'm 80% positive that Sheila did it. And, you know, I really feel like relationships in the 80s and 90s were hella messy because I swear, maybe it's just because I listen to a lot of true crime, but there was a lot of fidelity going on. Okay. There's a lot of people running around behind people's backs and like, how the fuck do you dress up as a clown and go kill somebody? Like that is just a clown out of all things, a clown. And why feel the need to give her flowers and a balloon that says you're the greatest you're the, I don't, anyways, this was the bizarre case of the Florida killer clown. It took over 30 years to close this case. And surprisingly, um, one of the articles that I had read, Joseph Aaron's, her surviving son, he said that he, um, is finally at peace and he's okay with the plea, obviously, because the plea was reached between the Warren family and, um, the prosecutor's office. So, good for him for not having any hate in his heart but it's just really like she worked so hard you know and i just cannot believe that just because 
and again, this is just speculation. I don't know if it was stress and grief and maybe she started like, you know, being more short with Mike or whatever, but what would cause Mike to start an affair with such a successful woman, you know? Thank you for hanging out with me while we discussed this bizarre case and unfortunate death of Marlene Warren. And I look forward to diving into another case with you next week. Be sure to leave me a five-star review, drop some case suggestions that you want me to cover. And again, thank you so much for your time. Hit the subscribe button, make sure you're following the show, and we'll chat with you next week.